0: Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Josh Elliott Wolf here with you for the next couple hours. Coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Also, here with uh, producer Ben Bassron as well. And you can text in as well 650 650 Dunbar Lumber Text Line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot to get to today. Harmon Dial is going to join us at noon. Going to talk a bit about the Elias Patterson contract situation. Some more comments from uh, Elliot Friedman today. The full interview with Elias Patterson and Elliot Friedman isn't out yet. But we still have the clips from a couple days ago that uh, was posted on Twitter. And today, uh, 32 Thoughts podcast came out with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, expanding a bit on what Elias Pettersson said a couple days ago. So we'll get to that in uh, in half an hour or so. And uh, we'll also talk to Harmon about it as well. But, uh, Ben, how's it going? Doing great. Great. There's a lot to talk about today. A lot to talk about. There's a lot of Canuck stuff
1: Stuff to talk about. Which
0: is weird for August twenty fourth. August twenty fourth. Mamba Day, by the way.
1: Happy Mamba Day.
0: Eight twenty four. Eight twenty four. The Lakers announced at eight
1: twenty-four AM on eight twenty four that there will be a statue of Kobe Bryant unveiled on February eighth. February eighth of twenty
0: twenty four. Really rolling with the eights and twenty fours.
1: Hey, they're doing it properly.
0: I love it. Uh I do want to get to this before we do anything, though. It is Sportsnet today, so let's do the five Ws.
1: Give me one second, here,
0: Josh. I'll give you one second. Five Ws. <laughs> We're gonna get there. There we go. Okay, so let's start with. I did it. The afore, yeah, I'm proud of you. The aforementioned Canucks news, not on the ice. Not, well, I guess it is off the ice. But the first question is, when will when will we see updates to Rogers Arena? And the answer is, now! Or at least this upcoming season. Uh, the Canucks tweeting out and putting out a release earlier today that, uh, they are making a few changes to Rogers Arena this season, and also some of them will carry into next summer, um but let's kind of roll through them right now. So the first one is a uh, new video board that is supposedly the screen. And some pictures of this came out because there was a concert a couple days ago. I wonder if that kind of forced the Canucks hand into releasing this, but regardless, uh, it says fans can look forward to a new video board that is almost four times larger than the previous screen. Um, in renderings and in the pictures we've seen, it doesn't look like... You know Colorado and Tampa Bay? They have these, like, ginormous screens that span across the entire arena. It's not that size, but it's definitely bigger. And, uh, apparently the resolution's really great. It's, uh... I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the ins and outs. Supposedly it's gonna be better. And I will say, the former video board... Was probably outdated. It was time for a time for a revamp. Whether it was this year or next year, they definitely needed to do it, and they are doing it. We'll have to see what it looks like in action in, I guess, a month and a half or so when they play preseason games and get into the regular season. Are you excited about a, a video board, Ben?
1: I think it was long overdue. Like if you look at around the league or any major sports league. These video boards are pretty cool.
0: Yeah, some of them can get really, really intricate.
1: We were talking about it in the bullpen before the show. Like, I remember when the Canucks went from the West Coast Express video board era to the Sedines, I guess we'll call it, era video board. And that was a massive change. That was big.
0: And at the time, I believe it was like one of the biggest in any arena
1: in North America. Yeah. It was massive.
0: Really ahead of the curve. And so I
1: remember walking into the arena for the first time being like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this is going to have the same wow effect. No. Even though they claim it to be four times
0: bigger. I will say they could probably do some cool things because it's a seamless curve is what they call it. They mm. could probably do some cool things with presentation. Especially like we all know the, the Canucks pregame videos have been pretty good and like their teasers and stuff. So I think they could do some cool stuff with that. Just don't expect to walk in and be like, oh my, that's a... You're
1: not walking into SoFi Stadium in LA.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, that's not my expectation. No. But it was needed. Uh, The change was needed. And I'm happy to see that's at least coming. The seats need to be changed.
0: Yeah, so we'll get to that. Before we get to that, um, along with the new video board, there's a new video ring beam that will extend Ring beam. That'll go around the entire... Uh, bowl is what it says, delivering high-quality information, messages, and animation. And there will also be 64 new digital screens above every bowl entrance. So that's kind of neat.
1: So that would be like where you like go into the where you receipts? go into the
0: yeah. Because right now I don't think there's a crazy amount of screens on no. the concourse, right? So if you're going to the washroom trying to get food, whatever, during the game, it's like, well, I don't know what's going yeah. on in there. So and, why
1: why do you need four screens per section?
0: Just to, just to four screens just, to watch the game. Yeah, just optimal viewing. One's <laughs>
1: not enough. Couldn't tell you. I don't we know. We need four of them per s.ection.
0: Um. So I guess that's a that's a welcome addition. Again, there's like a lot of stuff that needs to be done to Rogers Arena. Mm-hmm. So really, anything being done is a win, right? Um, and again, like especially because this isn't a rank. Especially when you factor in the location, they can't like tear it down and build a new one somewhere. No, you know. So it is, they're going to have to the keep... The location is great. Yeah, it's hard to beat. And so you're never going to be like, okay, let's move it. So they're going to have to keep making these renovations. Uh, the other part, we saw pictures of this early in the summer, I believe. Um, there's an exclusive 60-person event-level club and restaurant under construction. And it's at ice level between the home and visiting dressing rooms. Um, so I believe those are... because. There was pictures of black seats, and there's only like two or three rows of black seats at Rogers Arena. I believe those are the seats for the people that have this package, I guess we can call it. And I think those people... The lucky 60 people. The lucky 60 people. Those people can... You know how some places, I think Edmonton does it, where the players have to walk by a fan section to get to where they enter the ice? Right. I believe it's going to be like that.
1: So it'll be like a glass wall?
0: I think so. Sometimes it's like, uh, sometimes they can see in, like it's clear, but it depends on the place. I know a lot of football teams do it as well, where it's just like. uh, Does that entice you? Just as a person, as a fan?
1: Like watching players come down the hallway to go out? Is that like, oh,
0: that's awesome to see. I think if I was a kid, I'd be like, this is amazing. I'm so, look at them go. At this age, I'm like, have fun. I got that's, a hard time believing me.
1: there's going to be a lot of kids of the 60 people at this a la carte dinner.
0: Yeah, that's Fine true. dining. But I mean, also, like... Maybe. There are rich kids out there. Sure. You never know. Um, Let's and Make the rich kids happy. <laughs> yeah, surely they're not. Uh, and the last thing you mentioned. So, phase three. And they kind of threw this in as a note right at the end. Um, but phase three of this multi-year commitment beginning summer 2024. That's next summer. Um, will include the replacement of all seats in the upper and lower bowl and the redesign of the North Plaza entry.
1: Are you in favor of keeping the red? Or oh, do you want no. a different color?
0: I'm fine if they go black or blue. Sure. Either of those is fine with me. I, I assume they're going to go black because that would match the seats they already put in. Um. But I, I also wouldn't mind what I think uh, Scotiabank Arena does in Toronto. They have multiple colors to kind of signify your section. They right? do. So I wouldn't mind that.
1: I, guess, I think it's really cool, actually, in Toronto how they do that. Like yeah. You have the platinum seats. And then you have, like, there's green seats, red seats, gold seats. Like, it's all differentiating Yeah. what section you're in.
0: That would be fine. I'd be fine with that. How cool
1: you are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, rich kids. They yeah. get the platinum ones. Damn. Um, but yeah, Touched I would say the if I had to go, if I had to pick a color now, I'd probably pick black just because it's so uniform. Yeah. But honestly, as long as it's not red. I just don't think it's going be red again. Yeah, I really don't care. You know? If it is red again, what are we doing here? What Why would we was even made? red in
1: the first place in
0: Vancouver? Um, the Grizzlies were like teal and white, and the Canucks... The Canucks had some red in their their color scheme at the time.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't I don't know what the choice was.
1: At least it wasn't orange.
0: (laughs) That's the win, or yellow. That's the win. So those are the updates that are coming to Rogers Arena in uh, this season. And again, the the seats part you're not getting the new seats this year, but next year, barring any setbacks, you will be seeing new seats, upper and lower bowl in Rogers Arena. Um, so it's just nice that they're doing stuff to the rink. It'll make it feel a little newer than it has taken care of their fans in the last couple of years for sure. Okay, moving on to actual on ice stuff uh, and it's not Canucks. We will start we will go to this one. Why are Leafs fans viewing this Matthews extension as a win? So yesterday, Austin Matthews, signs a four-year contract extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He signs it for 13.25 on the AAV, a couple million, well, like a million and a half above where he is now. And that brings him to his age 31 season, thirty thirty-one season, I believe. And I saw, I was looking at the reaction online, trying to gauge how Maple Leafs fans are feeling about this, how fans around the league are feeling about this and I was very surprised that most Leafs fans were not upset about it. And I like, I get it. You're keeping your best player, number one draft pick, probably a top five player in the NHL. Well, top ten at worst. Sure. I just can't help but like, because we're having this conversation right now in Vancouver with Elias Pettersson. It's a very direct comparable. And yesterday, Dom and I were talking about it, and I'm like. When it comes to Elias Pettersson, if it's not a long-term extension, I will be concerned. And I will view it as management not doing everything they could. And obviously, it comes down to what the player wants as well. If Patterson wants a four or five-year deal and he's firm on that, you can't really change how he feels. But I would still not view it as a win for the Canucks. As a fan. As a fan or in media. like It just wouldn't feel like a win for the Canucks. It might be a win for Pedersen, but for for the Canucks, you want to go long-term. And I I think it's the same situation in Toronto. Like, you should... Like, you want to go long-term. You want to lock this guy up for as long as possible. And I know Matthews is probably like, hey, I only want to sign these four or five-year deals. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. And that's fine, but I just don't think you can view it as a win for Toronto then.
1: Well... Toronto still has him under his original deal for one more year, and then four more years now guaranteed. So for your the prime of Austin Matthews' career, and as Drance or Dom Lecision from The Athletic will tell you, this you know athletic prime is now in Toronto, secured. Mm-hmm. And I think the fans can view that as a win, and Canucks fans would view that as a win for Pedersen as well, because... You have that guaranteed now. The monkey's off your back. You don't have to worry about it anymore. There's no more articles about, is he going to go back to Arizona? Does he want to leave? Is the media pressure too much for him? And it kind of gives you the opportunity to keep your best player and keep this window open. Whereas if there was a big question mark there, you're concerned that he might leave, everything might crumble, and you will have won nothing. That's a bit scary. And for Matthews, as a fan, especially if you're an educated fan, you think about it, putting yourself in his shoes he's going to do well the next four or five years hopefully for him for him Mm -hmm. and then he's going to get to sign another big deal because as we've talked about on the station many times the salary cap is going to go up yeah so there's going to be more money to be had a new CBA is going to be kicked in in 2026 I believe and so by the time he has is ready for a new deal he's going to be able to get more money so I think the fans are happy because they keep him Matthews is happy because he's going to get another deal after this one wherever that may be So it seems like a win-win for all parties involved.
0: I will say, like, I think it's a huge win for Austin Matthews. I do think more players should be pursuing this option of signing a five-year deal than a four-year deal, and then you hit your long-term one when you're in your 30s, especially when you're a player like Austin Matthews or Elias Pettersson, where you know that you're still going to be playing at maybe not a super elite level in your 30s, but... Well enough that teams are going to be very happy to have you. Like JT Miller. Like like JT Miller. Um, <laughs> Had to throw that in. Yeah. What I will say is I do think this is more of a win. So let's say tomorrow the Canucks come out and they're like, hey, we signed Elias Petterson to a four-year deal. This kind of contract makes way more sense for a team in Toronto's position where, like it or not, they are theoretically a team that could compete for a cup. And they it, should be competing in. They the next are a four contender. Years. Yes. Whereas if this happened for the Canucks, you're like, man, okay, the first year, hopefully you make the playoffs. The second year, maybe you win around, and then you got two years.
1: Well, I Pedersen's a year younger than Matthews. Yeah. And if he signed the same deal tomorrow, I view the Matthews deal as him saying, "I believe in this core. I want to keep this going and try to win a cup with this core." And with Peterson, if he signed that deal tomorrow, I'd view that as I'm unsure that I want to be here forever, mm-hmm. given what I've seen so far. So I'm going to give it four years to you know test the waters and see what kind of happens. And then if it doesn't work and everything still sucks, I'm out. I'm gone.
0: Yeah. So two I, very I different agree. mentalities. And that, that's where that's the exact mindset I would go into it with as well. Uh, next question: Who is the best comparable? for an Elias Pedersen contract. So we've seen some contracts come out this summer. Uh there was the Sebastian Aho one which uh let me bring it up here but was a long-term deal in Carolina and shows that he's committed to that team long-term. Yeah, it was um it was 9.75 uh until 2031, 2032. So it's a long-term deal for him. Obviously, Matthews didn't do the same. And so when you're looking at a comparable between those two. And where Elias Petterson fits in that. I think you look at Austin Matthews' term. If you're Elias Petterson, Because that, look, as much as I want to see Petterson sign a seven or eight year deal. Because I think that's just the best outcome for the team. I do think he's more of a guy that's like, hey, I don't know where this team is at. I'll sign a five year deal. And that'll give you some time to figure it out. And if you don't, I'm leaving. And that, that's completely fair. I think that's very thing. fair. Yeah, that's totally completely fair.
1: fair. The Canucks I, haven't done enough in Pedersen's tenure here to warrant and to justify expecting him to sign an mm-hmm. eight-year deal.
0: Yeah, of course. So Unless they throw a bunch of money at him.
1: Sure. And then he's got to secure the bag, as as Sat says, and mm-hmm. you know secure the bag and get your money. That's, that's great. But if and they probably won't do that over eight years, then I think it's totally fair that Pedersen kind of wants to see what's going on first.
0: Yeah. In terms of the finances, though, so Sebastian Ajo, 9.75, and uh, Austin Matthews, 13.25. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be close to either of those. I think he's kind of going to be like smack dab in the middle. And Barzell's 9.15 for you. Yeah. So I think Elias Patterson, like I don't honestly, where I thought his contract was going to be at before the summer was somewhere between 11 to 11.5 on the AAV. Neither of these two contracts changed that for me. Like, I think he's still going to be in that range. Maybe he gets a little bit more, but that's where I see it kind of working out. And so if it's a five-year deal, I could see it anywhere between 55 million total money to 60 million total money. If it's a four year deal, obviously 11 million or so less than that. Um, but it gets interesting if it gets up to an eight year deal. Like, is that something where the Canucks have to go up to 12 or above right. to sign them long-term? Well,
1: Ajo had 67 points last year.
0: Yeah. And Patterson's on a different level, but Ajo kind of has the reputation of a guy that could be a top 10 center. In the NHL, and he probably could put up more points if he wasn't playing in a system that really values defense.
1: Right, and Matt Matthews could be a top three center in the NHL. Yeah. Arguably. And, and has put up 60 goals, and exactly he, in my eyes, is probably the best goal scorer in the NHL right now.
0: Mm-hmm. You're so, always going to get paid more if you're coming. Like, you won a Rocket Richard, you right. won a Hart.
1: He's 6'3", he's 225, mm-hmm. and he's the best goal scorer. You, he's going to get paid more than Pedersen will. Yes, so I agree with you that I think it's somewhere between Ajo and Matthews. I don't think the number is a 12-plus number, but I don't see it being under 11 and certainly not
0: going to be in the single digits. No, definitely not. Uh, next question. What does Kevin Gosman need to do to get some run support? So yesterday, the Jays played their uh, second game of a set against the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. And the Jays lose... 7-0 following a decent start from Kevin Goss
1: It's hard to win games when you score zero runs.
0: Generally, you won't win I'm any. not
1: a mathematician or a baseball guy.
0: Yeah, but like in my experience, if you don't score any runs, you're not winning the game. That's hard. Um, But he had a really good outing. He went, well, I wouldn't say really good, but he went six innings, gave up two runs, five hits. He was really good at working out of trouble yesterday.
1: That's still solid, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You get six innings from a starting. you have two runs. You'll take that every time. Yep. So the Jays have had notoriously bad run support, not only for Kevin Gosman, but for every pitcher on their staff. They've just been so bad at hitting with runners and scoring position. But I took a look at the numbers today. Not only have they let Kevin Gosman down, they have let him down to almost a league-leading extent. He has the second lowest run support per game by any pitcher in the majors at 3.2 runs per game. Who's ahead of him? Only J.P. Sears of the Oakland Athletics.
1: That's a good team. Yeah.
0: They've lost 90 games. Of course they're going to have the worst earn or run support for their pitcher.
1: That's shocking. Yes. Do you think it's a so question for you? Mm-hmm. You know when a backup goalie comes in in hockey – and it seems like the team kind of plays a little bit harder, a little bit smarter in front of him. Like, he, they're just on it that much more.
0: Yeah, they're more mentally engaged or whatever. Right, because
1: like, we want to protect our goalie. Yeah. Do you think maybe the hitters kind of feel like they can take a bit of,
0: not not a day off, but just
1: like, hey, this, we got Gossman on the mound. We don't need to put up eight runs today.
0: I don't think so. It's just chance. Yeah, I think it's just like, and maybe now they're in their head about it where they're like, Gosman's on the mound. We haven't been able to help him much this we year. Gotta. We got to. We got to do something. And now you're chasing pitches. You're not you're not doing enough. Um it's just been it's been really difficult for them to score at all in general this year. And now like I I mentioned the numbers, it's been even worse when Gosman is on the mound. It's just it's hard to explain because this is a team again and we keep talking about it. They should be better than this. Um or at least they should be Helping this guy in particular more than they have been. And I will say, so second lowest run support per game in the majors for Gosman. Meanwhile, he's top 15 in the league in earned runs against at 3.23.
1: People are talking about him being a Cy Young candidate.
0: Honestly, I, I would say if he was getting more run support, because look, I don't think wins matter as much when we talk about the Cy Young as they used to. But they still do. Like, your team still has to be a playoff team. You still have to be winning most games or going out and playing or starting. It's just, like, and the same thing kind of happened last year as well, where Gosman, it wasn't necessarily the run support thing. Gosman was just getting really unlucky with batted balls in play where he would give up weak contact and they would still figure out how to get a hit. So, I don't know. It's been a really unlucky two years for Gosman. Hopefully, it uh, all turns around for him. The Jays still find themselves out of the playoff picture right now. The Mariners also lost yesterday, though. So if you're a Jays fan, you are not. You didn't fall further behind. If you're a Mariners fan, unfortunately, you weren't able to make up any ground yesterday. Um, and lastly, where should Trey Lance get traded to? So yesterday, what came out is the Niners announced that, or Kyle Shanahan announced that, Brock Purdy will be their starting quarterback. Their backup will be Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold beat out Trey Lance, the guy they gave up multiple first-round picks to get for the backup job in San Francisco. So now the Niners have said they're exploring options for Trey Lance, and usually that means, especially when it's a guy like this who had potential, usually that means you're going to try to figure out a place to send him to that may give him some more opportunity. I can't really think of a place that would be a super amazing fit, you know? Like a place that can give him opportunity mm-hmm. and is willing to do that going into a season like this.
1: I think it'd have to be a team with a short leash of a quarterback, mm-hmm. but potential around him. I think of some somewhere like Atlanta maybe
0: yeah but even then they're they're pretty high on their guy and on ritter yeah they're pretty high on ritter and they're expecting to maybe not make the playoffs but compete for a playoff spot is this just a year. weak
1: division like maybe there's some opportunity there for success
0: yeah i wonder if um maybe like a team like the tampa bay buccaneers same division yeah same division like you're not obviously baker mayfield probably isn't your guy long term kyle trask is I don't think he's got, like, this crazy projection for the future. So maybe a team like that. There have been links, to because he he's from Minnesota. <laughs> so there have been links to the Vikings. And I will say, as a Vikings fan, I'd be all for it. Back up Kirk Cousins for a year. Right. His contract is done after this season. So if you show some progression, maybe you can get the starting job next year. The other thing, though, is that – and this has been very public with, um, with where – Trey Lance or sorry since Trey Lance has been drafted is that he hasn't really gotten snaps and he needs to figure out he needs to find a place where he can play and I just don't see that opportunity for him anywhere in the NFL this year I don't think it's a starting role anywhere no and so like realistically he's gonna they have to find a team that they know is gonna suck this year that might be able to give him shot a shot like halfway through the, the season. Washington
1: Commanders I don't even think
0: Brissett. I don't think they're going to suck this year, and they're pretty high on Howell as well. I just well. look
1: at their division. and I'm like, ah, you're not going to be great.
0: I don't know. I like. I feel like they're sneaky. Uh, a team that can do like their defense is really good. Mm-hmm. So I just think they're kind of a team that might be able to do something. Um, but like, yeah, aside from a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or a team where he can just go and be the backup.
1: I'm not, I sh- I'm not there's choice. not a lot
0: maybe no. like the las vegas raiders yeah jimmy g do that again hey we're back he's gonna get injured at some point and then he'll get his opportunity i don't know it's a weird situation with lance i also don't know how much potential he really has left so it's it's a low risk move to to bring him in because you're not going to pay much but I don't know how big the payoff would really be regardless. Those are the 5 Ws. On the other side, we're going to get into some more Patterson talk. Again, we uh, we talked or we mentioned it earlier. Elliot Friedman had some news and notes in 32 Thoughts, and we'll also hit some texts on the other side as well. 650 650 the Dunbar Lumber text line. So keep those coming in. It is Josh Elliott Wolf and Ben Bassford on SportsNet today on SportsNet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Ben Bassett, here with you on Sportsnet 650. Coming to you live from the Kintex studio. And keep your texts coming in, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, about 25 minutes from now, Harmon Dial will join us and talk about uh, everything going on with Elias Patterson and uh, news around the league, Austin Matthews signing, and much more with Harmon in 25 to 30 minutes from now uh but i mentioned the 650 650 dunbar lumber text line we'll get a couple texts in um before the break we were talking about all the changes that are happening at rogers arena and one of the like the main thing people have been asking for are the seats they want the seats to change not happening this year it will be happening next summer when they change both the lower bowl and the upper bowl so everything will happen all at once. You'll come back in September, October 2024, and it'll all be done, I assume. Hopefully. Hopefully no setbacks. Um, but we get a text. Scotiabank is super ugly, though, when there's a section of people not sitting in the seats, and there's a portion of green and yellow seats mixed with the Raptors' colored jerseys. That's fair. fair I, comment. I will say, though, I just when it's empty, Scotiabank Arena looks nice. But it, it is... It is kind of an eyesore when, because we we were talking about like what color is it going to be, and I brought up Scotia Bank Arena as a place that has multiple colors for different sections. I think if theoretically it could be done well, but yeah, you're you're always going to have issues when people aren't in their seats and then there's different colors that are showing. Right. As long as you're not going like bright yellow or bright orange or whatever, I think it's fine. Keep it Canucks colors or keep it black, and you're good. Right, that that's fine with me.
1: The biggest eyesore at Scotiabank Arena is, given that like the boxes for the platinum seats are built underneath the seats, like you go under the tunnel and that's where the boxes are for all the corporate companies.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what's happening with the Canucks. And so
1: too. for the be- at the beginning of the game or especially after halftime or an intermission. When you're watching the game on TV, those seats are kind of all empty because people are just getting back or they're still in their boxes underneath. And then that looks kind of weird that you really feel like the
0: emptiness of it.
1: That's less of a problem in Vancouver. But I understand how the tiered system then looks weird on TV.
0: Uh, And this one Pacific Coliseum had reds and blue seats. I'm sure they just went with that in the move to downtown. Because we were talking about what went into the decision to make the seats red, red in the first place, um, I guess that makes sense. I just I don't agree with the logic behind it in no, general. Not at all. Just always go like I think the the rule now is probably just always go black. Seats.
1: It's kind of like buying a car. Yeah. It's like when you are getting a color of a car.
0: At first, you are like, "This is fun.
1: Look how bright this is." Yeah. Or unique. And then after six months driving it, you are like, "Wow."
0: This is a color. It's definitely worn off. I'm a I'm a silver car guy through and through. That's fair. I'll I, always go silver or gray. I feel like it's the way
1: you dress as well. Not not you, but like the way you should dress. Yes. If you're like it's fine to have some pieces of clothing that are a bit more out there or whatever, but if you stick to the basics and you buy good quality stuff, you're going to look good and you just mix and match that.
0: Yeah. You're going to look good. Uh, so those again. So the changes being made to Rogers Arena this season, uh, the scoreboard, the kind of new club level section.
1: Will the seats have cup holders, Josh? I believe, or is that a- just the uh, premium section?
0: Yeah, as far as we know right now, it's just those like two or three rows of black seats, and those ones did have cup holders. Okay, but we'll have to wait and see. I would be so surprised if they changed all the seats and they were like no cup holders figure it out man yeah. too bad i would be surprised
1: because there's none right now except for the club section yeah and, and that seems like a bit of an issue
0: yeah drinks on the floor and stuff Ugh. um you wouldn't know you're in the booth yeah. but every time i do go my drinks on the floor oh
1: it's tough someone kicks over your beer
0: yeah day's ruined it does it and all on your shoes your shoes are sticky, sticky. oh Ugh. my goodness uh, 650, 650, keep your texts coming in. So we talked about it a bit earlier. Uh, Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick released a 32 thoughts podcast today. And we kind of saw the tease of an Elias Petterson interview yesterday, uh, or a couple days ago, but yesterday, very early in the morning, I guess. Um, and there were some comments about his contract extension, and he said he's in no rush. I expected to to see that interview today or hear it. They didn't have the full interview. I believe it's going to be on TV or like on YouTube. I don't know. It's not released yet. But Elliot Friedman did have some more comments about what Pedersen said to him. Um, and so here's the first one when they were talking about uh, the contract extension.
2: Now, it's Vancouver, and I say this with love. Everything there is a five-alarm blaze. Those are passionate, passionate hockey fans. The thing I'll say about Pedersen is he didn't want to, those two questions were the only two he would answer about his contract. He didn't want to say anything else besides that. But the thing is, like someone called me from out there and said, okay, what else did you get from his mood? Is there a reason to panic here? Like he's closing the door on the Canucks. No, I don't believe that. I think that, you know, he knows his next contract is going to be a big one, wherever it is, and I don't think he's worried about that. I just think he wants to make sure that he feels everything is going in the right direction. And I got the sense that he is confident in what they have. He just wants to see the results. And as long as the Canucks do what he believes and what they're selling him they can do, I don't think this is going to be an issue.
0: That was Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast. So, a few things there. The one that kind of sticks out to me, and we talked about it yesterday as well, is that Elias Petterson seems very intent on seeing where this team is at before kind of committing long-term. And who knows if that means he wants to see how the team does this year, and then he looks at signing in, eight-year extension and and kind of staying here long-term if things go well, or if he's like, hey, I I want to see how things go in the next two or three seasons, so therefore I'm going to sign this, again, I bring it back to Austin Matthews, this four- or five-year extension to see how this team progresses and if I want to be here late into my 30s. And I do think it's completely fair for Pedersen, especially based on where he or where this team has been, since he's joined them, made the playoffs once, haven't really been competitive. Even when they did make the playoffs, they weren't a team that was expected to do much damage. And you look at where they are right now, like, is there a clear road to being a Stanley Cup contender? I don't think so, but that's what Elias Petterson wants to see.
1: I'm and not even sure there's a clear road to making the playoffs this
0: year. No, it's a, it's a bumpy, messy road if they do make the playoffs. Like, the
1: amount of things that have to go right for this team to just get into the playoffs
0: mm-hmm. is massive. And then when you get there, like we see it a lot, teams kind of like you scratch and fight to get your way into the playoffs and then you're you're kind of worn out by the time you get there. And and like sometimes you carry the momentum into the playoffs. Right. I don't I just don't know if this team is that because we haven't seen them in the postseason.
1: I think one thing people often overlook with free agency, especially in hockey, um in comparison to like other sports like basketball, but the teams that will be in on Pedersen to potentially sign him and have that much cap room probably aren't contenders themselves. That's true. Because the contenders actually don't have much cap space because they've built a team that they think can win. So if Pedersen wants to go somewhere else to win, it's unlikely that he's going to be able to get that same amount of money from a team that is better than Vancouver, or or maybe just marginally better.
0: I will say like it could be a team, especially because we're looking – I, I'm not concerned that he's not going to sign here at all. Like I, I talked about it yesterday. Could he do the arbitration for a year and then walk to UFA? Yes, I don't think so. I think he would rather sign a three-year contract or something along those lines and and cash in more once he's out, out of that. But so let's say we're like three, four years down the line when that happens. There will be more cap space available teams won't be as pressed up against it because the flat cap has just made things so difficult but even then let's say let's say covid 2.0 happens and still no. the flat cap yeah i don't want i don't want to live in that world nope. um but still the flat cap things haven't risen as people had expected mm-hmm. i do think teams that are in a competitive spot would still be able to make it work okay just because we saw what happened with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Eric Carlson. Like, if you have the if you have the will, there's a way. And I think that would still ring true for someone like Elias Pettersson, where a team looks at him and says, "We're gonna move the salary to make this all work because we need this guy on our team."
1: Do you think Pettersson has that sort of pedigree to get teams to move hell and high water to get him? Yes. Okay.
0: Because right now, even three years from I get it now,
1: for Carlson after what he did last year.
0: But I, I think three years from now, teams would be – even more teams would be lining up to trade for Elias Pedersen. Right. Or sign Elias Pedersen. He'll Pettersson, be in the whatever. middle of his prime then. Exactly. Middle of his prime. And, I, I mean, who knows what happens with injuries and all that. But, obviously, Carlson has had his injury issues. And there's still always the concern about Carlson right now not being a great defensive defenseman. And he doesn't need to be. But is this past season maybe a, a one-off? And instead of being a 100-point defenseman, he's a 60-ish point defenseman. Which is still very valuable, but not as valuable as what he did last year, which is obviously a Norris year. But I do think Patterson, is, he's so well-rounded, and he has such a good reputation around the league. I don't think there would be, like teams would still be lining up to bring him in. 650-650, um, Dunbar-Lumbertacks line. We talk about teams that could theoretically be like be able to make this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one says, it would be Boston. Oh. He would go to Boston because that's what Boston does. They poach. And they will have Caproom coming
1: Well, up. their are two centers. Retired. Zaka and Coyle now? Yes. Hmm. It's bleak there. So they would like a center.
0: Yeah. But I also think by the time, again, in this theoretical world where Things go wrong for the Canucks, and they have to, like, he, Elise Petterson says in three years, he's not going to sign. Like, very theoretical. The one that Dom and I came up with yesterday was Chicago. Okay. They have so much cap space available. Three years from now, Bedard will be, pro- like, amazing, <laughs> I assume. Um, and they'll probably need another center. And they would have cap space available. That would make sense.
1: A lot has to go right for the Canucks to make the playoffs, a lot has to go wrong for Pedersen not to sign here.
0: Exactly. Um, But, again, so going back to the clip and what, and what Elliot Friedman was talking about, I just wonder what his evaluation period is. What Elias Pedersen's evaluation period is when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks and when it comes to when he's going to make this decision. And I just wonder what's on the line as well. Is... Is it a long term extension that's on the line? Because if so, like this year might be the most important in the last decade for the Canucks. Maybe not the last decade. Well, probably the last decade when I think about it. Yeah. If you do well this year and you make the playoffs and you show that you're a legit team that could grow, and that means that Pedersen is going to sign a seven or eight year deal, massive. That is, there's so much pressure on that to work out. Um, and again, you mentioned it, I mentioned it it's a, it's a bumpy road to the playoffs I'm not even confident you're going to make it but they're in a position where they kind of have to do everything they can to make it because otherwise you might let a guy like Elias Pettersson go because obviously team success is very important to him and you wouldn't let him go immediately but it would be a situation where over time he just he doesn't want to sign here long term And that's my concern, and I'm not trying to, Dom was accusing me of fear-mongering yesterday Mm. when I said I was a little bit concerned about his comments and what it means long-term. I don't think it's fear. Yeah, I'm not trying to fear-monger. I'm just a little worried about his comments and maybe what he thinks of this team if they don't have success, and that's a very fair thing to be concerned about if you're Elias Patterson.
1: Good text in here. Teams give players prove-it years all the time. Am I the only one that thinks PD should give them a prove it year to him and sort their business out? PD should 100% play the year out and reassess next summer or in January. Players
0: don't owe teams anything.
1: Unsigned text, but great text.
0: And I think that's kind of what he's doing. I honestly. think it's totally a fair comment. Like this year is a prove it year for the Canucks to Elias
1: Pettersson. But what is the threshold? Is he ex- like do they have to make the playoffs? Do, do they, they have, have to, to get more
0: points than last year? Do they have to win a round? Like, like what is the exactly. expectation? And that's not something that's ever going to be made public. It might be a vibes thing. Like, hey, look, maybe this team is competing for a playoff spot, but you, like, there's not as much turmoil around them. They've kind of figured it out, or at least seem to be on the right track to figure it out. Because when you think about last year and the year before, like, there was so much turmoil. And that's something uh, Elliot Freeman talked about in the 32 Thoughts podcast as well, is players seem, and we saw it last year, so it's hard to put too much stock into it, But players seem enthused by what they, encouraged by what they saw at the end of last season and what they might be carrying in to this season with Rick Tockett at the helm. Here's Elliot Freeman uh, talking about that.
2: Like no matter where you go, it's going to be hard to win. So to me, it's not even about who's good around you. It's about are you good? Are you going the right way? You know, one of the things that, you know, we talked about is he likes the way last season ended. He thinks that Talkit was pushing them in a right direction. He believes in what Tocket was selling him on. You know, recently, Miller, JT Miller, he went on the Cam and Strick podcast and he called Vancouver last year a bleep show. Petterson's not going to say that, but me looking at him and listening to him yesterday... He's kind of thinking that. To me, it's not necessarily about going out and going sixty and twenty. It's going out and saying, We have a plan. We're going in the proper direction. And it's not crazy town.
0: That was Elliot Freeman on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. So at the end there, that's kind of what we're talking about. When we when we think about a threshold for the Canucks and and what needs to happen for Elias Petterson to be more confident in where they're at. And like Friedman mentioned, it doesn't have to be a 60-20 and 20 season.
1: Just not be Crazy Town.
0: Yeah. Just be like a normal NHL franchise for one
1: year. And it just hasn't been for a few years.
0: Yeah. And, like, if you think about it, going to your workplace every day and, like, being stressed out, you would probably want to leave too. Right. But if you went to your workplace and they were like, hey, we made these changes, things are going to be a little more healthy here. Right. Is there a Canadian market, though, honestly, that isn't
1: stressed out going to work every day? Like, I'm just going to run through them. Edmonton, you're expected to win every single time. You have, sure. You have the two of the best I think,
0: players. I think there's a different stressed out, though. But Toronto, like, that's stress. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm talking about is, like, you can go to Toronto and Edmonton, and there's nothing happening off ice that's going to be hanging over your head other than the expectations to win. Okay. Whereas in Vancouver, you have the same expectations to win. Maybe not to the same extent as, like, we all know it's not a Stanley Cup team right now. But then there's also last year was the Boudreaux stuff. And, like, the the year before, it was firing Jim Benning. And, like, there was I mean, all, these, all these off-ice stuff. Jerseys on the ice. Jerseys on the ice. Like, it was just a mess, right? Then these players can,
1: just want to show up and play hockey?
0: Yeah. If you can avoid that for a year and just show up, do your job. And hopefully win more games than the year before. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the players here want.
1: I think that's a reason why so many players opt for playing in markets that aren't like this one. And it's not to discredit Vancouver or the fans or anybody. But it's just if you remove yourself from the situation where it is possible that this stuff could happen. Then it's never going to happen. Because the the care in different cities around the U.S. is so much less than here. That even if the team is kind of going south, and even if the front office gets cleaned out and there's a new coach, the papers are going to be like, "Oh, they got a new GM," and they play Nashville on Tuesday. Yeah, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, in this market, it seems like everything is magnified because it's the only major four sports team in the city, and so you have to be comfortable with that. And if Pedersen is comfortable with that and thinks that the Canucks can get be more successful, then this is a great place to play. Because mm. if you're successful here, the city will love you. It just hasn't seen that success in a long time.
0: 650-650. Uh, uh, the Dunbar-Lumber text line, this one from Tyler. I have no problem with Pedersen having a show-me-year for the Canucks as long as he has internally communicated a framework of expectations for him and not having a moving goalpost. Yeah, if he goes into this year, it's also tough, though, if you're a player and you go to your GM and you're like, hey, if, if we make the playoffs this year, I will sign an eight-year contract extension.
1: I just don't think that's a thing.
0: I don't think like, I don't like think that's a thing either. I get the text either.
1: from Tyler, but like, I just don't think that's I'd, explicitly I'd, said.
0: Yeah, I do agree on the not moving the goalpost. Like, it might be an internal thing for Pedersen, being like, okay, we're going into this year. Um, if I can do this, if our team can compete for a playoff spot – and there's nothing happening off ice that shows that, hey, maybe there's something inherently wrong with this organization, then I will sign here long-term. But, yeah, I don't know if that's something that needs to be communicated to management. I do agree with Tyler, though. It, it There should be some sort of threshold, again, that needs to be met for... Where's the bar? Yeah, I need to know where the bar is at. So maybe text in six fifty six fifty what you think Elias Patterson wants to see from the Canucks in order to gain his confidence maybe not for a long term long term extension but just moving forward in general uh, so keep those texts coming in 650 650 Dunbar lumber text line on the other side we're going to be joined by Harman Dial of the Athletic we'll get into Patterson talk we'll ask you know what we'll ask him about the Rogers Arena renovations too and much more that's coming up on the other side It is Josh Elliott Wolf, Ben Basser, and Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf here with you for another hour. Keep your texts coming in the 650, 650 Dunbar Lumber Text line. We lead you in to the People Show. Uh, and we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Let's welcome in our next guest, Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Thanks for uh, taking the time, Harmon. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am good. Still uh, going over everything uh, that's happening at Rogers Arena this summer. Are you, do you like, care about stuff like that are you pumped about the renovations how do you feel
3: I'm pumped for it uh, especially because you get a chance to visit other rinks around the NHL and for instance when I was in Philadelphia at the Wells Far- Fargo Center that arena I believe is the exact same age as Ro- as uh, Rogers Arena in terms of it not necessarily being the newest arena but they have done a fantastic job in Philly with the re- renovations the jumbotron was fantastic Uh, And it had the look and feel of a much newer arena. And when you look at Rogers Arena, on the other hand, it's not that it's a dire situation. It's certainly not um, necessarily a problem, but its age is starting to show in in certain areas. And it was already exciting last season seeing, for example, the locker room renovations. And, And those are the little subtleties that even for players, they care about those things. They talk about, what kind of arena they play, they play out of, the practice facility, the resources that are available to them. So anything that this organization can do to upgrade the exper- the arena experience, not only for the fans, but for everybody working within the organization, it's only going to be a positive. And uh, I'm, I'm excited, and I do legitimately care about it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So that was the news today. Yesterday, it was all Elias Patterson all the time. Uh, there was the comments that he had. To Elliot Friedman on a Thirty Two Thoughts interview clip, uh, did you have any concerns about what Pedersen said? I know some people are are maybe panicking a little bit. What were your thoughts on his comments to Elliot Friedman?
3: Well, it's not surprising because I did an agents poll earlier this uh, month, trying to get some of the most experienced and um, and veteran. Uh, player representatives to weigh in on the dynamics of Pedersen's contract nego- negotiations and and how they m- they may be advising a player in Pedersen's situation. And all of them agreed that for a variety of reasons, it made most sense to take a wait-and-see approach. Uh, you look at, obviously, the direction of the salary cap and knowing that it's going to spike uh, at, starting at the en- uh, end of next season. But also beyond that, most importantly, you're going to get a much better sense of the franchise's direction, whether you're confident that the Canucks can actually build a winner around you uh, based off of how the team starts the season and plays out, right? And you want to leave the flexibility open to see whether the Canucks have gotten their stuff together as an, as an organization, whether they look like a playoff-bound team. So uh, from that perspective, the only the only scenario where you may have leaned towards signing an extension this offseason If you're in Pedersen's situation is if you really strongly felt that you didn't want the pressure of playing in a contract year and it being a storyline and having that spotlight on you, but uh, whether it's a financial perspective, um, even think about it from this perspective, right? Even if forget the, the playing for Vancouver and, and winter side of it, even from a money perspective, Matthew's contract just came in yesterday Pedersen is in in a situation where he's only had one year of playing at a superstar level. Uh, Before that, he, before last season, he'd never produced at a point per game clip or higher. The thing is, Pedersen last season was better than Matthews. And if he can roughly match Matthews, performance next season, well, then all of a sudden Pedersen has, has a case for using Matthews as a comparable. Matthews is now the highest player, highest paid player Uh, in the league. Whereas if Pedersen's camp is trying to introduce that type of comparable now, it's very easy for the Canucks to turn around and say, well, you've only done it once. And look at Matthews the year before he'd won a heart trophy and had 60 goals. Uh, So this is a fantastic opportunity for Pedersen to uh, put up another monster year, uh, see the, see the direction of the franchise. And so the comments didn't catch me off guard. It's just now the responsibility of the Canucks uh, to prove that they can be a playoff team next season.
0: And how long do you think that like a valuation period is? I guess for Elias Patterson when he's looking at where this team is at, like is it just this year, like make the playoffs, and and his confidence is built, or do you think it could be a a two or three year thing?
3: Well, he's going to have to make a decision at the end of next season anyway, so it's not as if he can slow play this over a multi-year timeline. What he can do is, uh, if, if 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 the team makes the playoffs, for instance, um, and he's still let's say, ruminating about, okay, well, we know this team can make the playoffs now, but are we actually going to be able to build a cup contender over the next few years? And if there's still any hesitancy about that, well, he can do what what Matthews is, right? He doesn't have to sign for a full seven or eight years on this uh, upcoming deal. In fact, there could be a lot of incentive for players coming up because of how quickly the cap is expected to rise for a player in Pedersen's shoes on his next contract to sign for, let's say, three or four years, especially because, When you look at the age that Pedersen would hit the unrestricted free agency market, if he, let's say, signs an eight-year deal, I believe he'll be 32. Uh, He'll be at an age when he's probably coming out of his prime, probably not going to get another mega contract, right? At 32, he'll still be a fantastic player, but um, he won't earn as much as, let's say, if he signs a four-year deal and he's hitting free agency again at 28, he's putting himself in a much better position to cash in on, another massive contract so um I think for the evaluation period it really just sort of comes down to this season because that's you've got a timeline His contract expiring uh this summer or this coming summer
0: mm-hmm. and do you think he's a player that does have the mindset of like hey I can just do three four years and I'll, I'll cash in after or is he someone that might prefer the security of a of a long-term deal
3: this really comes down to an individual player's uh, sort of preference and, and personality, what type of um, uh, person they are, and I, and I honestly don't think anybody has a sense of uh, what Pedersen is is like uh, from that from that perspective. I mean, I can bet you that um, most agents who would be representing him would be advocating for him to take a medium term deal, and would be arguing that because of the age of of how it set up his next contract that it'd be the best from a financial perspective, but some players are wired where they prefer security. They don't want to deal with co- contracts coming up again and again. They'd rather have uh, the guaranteed money all at once. You don't have to worry about injury or performance or, or any of those uh, other considerations. So I, I don't have a sense of where Pedersen specifically stands. And ultimately, again, a big part of it will come down to how much confidence does he have in this um, uh, franchise's ability because the other thing you also have to keep in mind is Hughes and Demco the connects other sort of franchise pillars are also on sort of medium medium term co- uh, contract timelines right now. I believe Demco has three years left. Uh, Hughes has four. So if you're in Pedersen's situation, that could be another potential incentive that, hey, why not tie my term to approximately match uh, the other top guys on this uh, on this team, because obviously they're after after three four years on the on the back half of an eight year deal. There'd be a lot of uncertainty in terms of are Hughes and Demko still going to be around? What does this team look like? How competitive are they going to be?
0: It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf joined by Harmon Dial of the Athletic. So, do you think that because we we've seen Matthews do it twice now the the five year and then the four year contract, do you think that could start to be a trend around? Uh, around the league when it comes to elite players? Because I think the the good to bottom six players are always going to prefer the security and and what they can get long-term. But when it comes to top 10, 20, 30 players in the league, could we start seeing more of these contracts that really maximize their career earnings?
3: I really do think so, especially because, again, the unique dynamics of how quickly the the cap could rise. If you sign a long-term deal today, Whether you're Pedersen or any other type of you know top twenty, top thirty player type talent, it's going to look like a massive bargain with it very quickly. Uh, That's just the the reality of the situation, especially if the cap is is ninety, ninety two, ninety four million in in a few years. Uh, And and of course, every time a contract is is negotiated, it's done based off the percentage of what the cap ceiling is. And I, I mean, just look at Jack Hughes for example, right? Jack Hughes had signed eight million times eight years. And look at, I I remember initially at the time, people were were saying, oh, oh, the Devils have already committed eight million. He hasn't quite yet proven himself as as a superstar player. Uh, But look at it today. We're barely into that contract. And it already looks like one of the best deals in the NHL, right? That's um, a case of um, a very sort of team-friendly deal. And so I could, yeah, I could see more players uh trying to sort of think back to how many of those jack Hughes types long-term long-term deals have already looked like steals and bargains and um and, and look in that direction It's it's been interesting because outside of Matthews there haven't been too many examples in among current players of uh, players that net the massive AAV but signed for less than seven or eight, eight years but before, But before that, there actually have been quite a few examples of former players um, through the early thousands and early early 2010s that sort of followed that model and template. So it's going to be interesting to see how many players do follow in, in Matthews' footsteps there.
0: Uh, so moving on from Pedersen, I don't know if we've had you on since uh, Pia Suter signed with the Canucks. What did you think of, of that deal and, and his addition to what should probably be the bottom six of this team? Yeah, I thought
3: it was fantastic for a variety of reasons. I mean, number one, for the third line, it it gives you more impactful uh, offensive punch, which I think the Canucks needed. Even when you look at the, the club last year, and, and we've got this reputation with Vancouver being dynamic and explosive offensively, but they're just a little leaky defensively. But the interesting thing is, yes, the Canucks have always had a great power play. They've always had... Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Miller, Besser, a lot of these pieces at the top of the lineup that have been able to produce a lot of offense. But when you get down to the bottom six, they haven't had a lot of uh, production. And and when you look at the Canucks 5-5 goal rate last year, I believe they were in the bottom half of the uh, NHL in that perspective. So that's where they've already been getting quite a bit of production Obviously, during Pedersen's five-on-five minutes, but whenever he's been on the bench, whenever Quinn Hughes has been on the bench at five-on-five, you look at the numbers and it's uh, it's uh, pretty underwhelming. And that's where Suter will bolster the bottom six. He's a guy that look his point totals on the surface may not stand out, but you have to remember that nearly all of his points come at five-on-five. He's not a guy that plays a lot on the power play. He's not a guy that necessarily puts up a lot of points on the man advantage. Um, he's a guy that consistently chips in with 13, 14, 15, 16 goals a year, uh, which is really valuable to sort of have that type of piece anchoring your, uh, third line. And the other massive, um, component that, uh, that you, you also add is, uh, insurance, right? Uh, if before the suitor signing, if Pedersen or Miller had, had gone down with injury, who would have been your second line center, right? Like, let's say in a in a tough scenario miller's out of lineup for whatever reason he's hurt or he's just really struggling and set at center defensively and you need to shift him to wing who would have shifted up teddy bluger nils oman you would have been in a whole world of trouble whereas now with suitor you've got a player that um, has had legitimate middle six experience um in the past i know with detroit he wasn't playing a ton of minutes last season but when you look um, not too long ago at what he was doing in uh, in Chicago, he was playing legit middle six uh, competition and, and matchups, and so um, I love the addition for the Canucks there. I thought the value, especially for the contract, uh, very low risk signing that ha- that has um, uh, a pretty a, a, a pretty does a pretty effective job of raising the floor of the of the club's bottom six.
0: Yeah, and so I think now you can pencil in the bottom six centers. I I would say as as um, Suter and Bluger. What do you think this does for for Niels Oman? Like, is he? It, do you think he's like a thirteenth forward on this team, or do you think maybe they play Bluger on the wing and Oman at center? Like, what do you do with Niels Oman?
3: Well, he has to earn a job. He has to be better than he was last season, right? And he's twenty three, so he has the upside, right? It was overall coming over from Sweden and making the jump straight to the NHL. It was. Um, it was impressive to see. He he was better than we expected, but you also have to keep in mind that relative to NHL competition, um, it's not as if he was acing it as a fourth-line center. I thought he looked much better in the second half of the season, especially after he'd had some time at Abbotsford, but he still struggled on face And look, if you're going to be a fourth-line center, you've got to be good on draws. And, and that's where right now I can't pencil him in to a fourth-line role uh, and say shift bluber to the wing when i don't um when i can't really trust him Want to take uh faceoffs right now and uh even beyond that he needs to prove more as uh as a penalty killer right because when you get to the point of being let's say uh, a fourth a fourth line player you need to add some some differentiating aspect to the table right uh, a player like dakota joshua for example He has a size. He has a physicality. He has hands around the net and produce secondary offense. Uh, There's something different about him. He has an identity. Whereas with Oman, I think you see the potential for there to be an identity, for him to be a pretty smart defensive center who um, is intelligent, positionally reliable. But for him to fill that role, like that prototype of player – um, needs to be much better on on faceoffs and um, ideally add more shorthanded value as well. So he's going to have to earn a spot. And uh, look, this is what happens with good teams. You have competition. I mean, look at look at Vegas. Uh, Teddy Bluger couldn't even in the playoffs uh, crack the lineup on uh, on on a lot of occasions. He was a healthy scratch through many playoff games for Vegas. This is the competition that comes with being a good team. And when you get to the point of we have expectations for this next team. We want, we want them to make the playoffs next year. That's part of um, what comes to the territory is you're not just going to be, not just going to be given or handed a job based off what you did last year or um, you know, because you're, you're young, you're going to have to go out and earn it and show meaningful improvement. And um, it's uh, on Oman now to level up his, uh, his game and, uh, and of course, injuries are going to strike. So if he's the 13th or 14th forward, he's probably going to play a lot anyway. And, and all that's really doing is bumping, uh, is more realistically bumping a guy like Sheldon Dries down, where Dries is playing a lot. Dries is, in fact, even playing three C minutes and um, and you're just firming up the depth there.
0: So you talk about camp battles a little bit, and now we're going to see some at center, whereas before we, we probably weren't going to. But on the wing, the, the other thing the addition of Suter does is it just kind of gives them more options, I guess, in the bottom six. Um, out of like Vasily Podkolzin, Phil DiGiuseppe, I guess you could throw Sheldon Dries in there, and, and Niels Hoaglander, is there, is there a guy that you think could be ready to make a, maybe a bigger step up this season?
3: I hope it's silly Pod Colson. I mean, it could also very well be uh, Hoaglander. Um, but with Pod Colson I think we we can all agree that he had a solid rookie season, especially in the, in the second half of that campaign. He really started to feel a lot more comfortable carrying the puck, making plays. You could see that he wasn't in a rush to get rid of it. I think that's an area where when Pod Colson is sometimes lacking confidence, he's immediately looking to make the first quick pass, and he's playing a very very safe style. And and you you sort of understand it because uh, he's had to sort of fight tooth and nail for minutes in the NHL, and I'm sure he's cognizant about not wanting to make defensive mistakes and earn the coaching staff's trust. But this is a player, when you look at his physical tools, when you look at his skill, when you look at his pedigree as a top-ten pick, Uh, His work ethic, uh, even some of the defensive tools that he'd shown as a prospect coming up, he's got an enticing all-around package, uh, the forechecking, the work rate, Mm -hmm. and you combine all those attributes, and there's still potential there, even though it was a really disappointing uh, year for him uh, last year. And ultimately, when you look at the construction of this Canucks forward group, even adding Suter to the mix he's a bit of an undersized guy too. And and you have a scenario right now where the Canucks don't have a lot of bite. They don't have a lot of size uh, up front. And we've heard Tauket speaking and and raving about the importance of wall guys and being able to win battles, uh, forecheck aggressively, win pucks back that way. Facilier Pod and if you can put it together, he's the type of player that would fill that type of uh, role, even if it's just in a third-line role. Um, it's not as if at this point you're expecting or needing him to necessarily hit as a top six piece who you know, puts up 50 points a year. Even if he's a really effective third line player, if he can develop into that over the next couple of years, that's a significant value, um, value add given how young he is, given how inexpensive he is. And that's a player that I'm really hoping can, um, can put it together because of how unique his, uh, his physical tools are.
0: Hey, Harmon, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the rest of the summer and the lead-up to training camp and the season here. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. That is Harmon Dial of The Athletic joining us on Sportsnet today with Josh Elliott-Wolf and Ben Bassring here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Some interesting stuff on Pedersen there. The more we get into it, the more and more likely it feels like that he's going to sign – a not long-term extension and like harman mentioned it's kind of difficult to get into his head and and figure out what he wants because he's not being very public about it he's not going to be like i would love to sign long term or i'm only going to sign a, a four or five year deal but i mentioned it yesterday harman mentioned it it makes a lot of sense to line up with someone like quinn hughes who has four years left on his contract. If Pedersen extends for three, they would both expire the same year. That's a really good spot to be like, hey, look, I'm giving you some runway. We'll evaluate when this is done. If you can't figure out how to be competing for Stanley Cups by the time this contract is over, I'm going to leave. And to me, like, again, all the power to Pedersen, but the Canucks need to figure out a way to make Signing here long-term as enticing as possible. And I don't know how they're going to do it, which, again, leads me to believe that in the end, I think a three- to five-year extension for Pedersen might be the most likely outcome.
1: For sure. I mean, I think it's just the writing's on the wall. It kind of seems like for that. Mm -hmm. and If he wanted to be here long-term, it'd be... A lot more smooth, I think. Just yeah, be, I, think
0: right. it, I think it'd be done by now. It would have been
1: done. This you know? could have been done by July 1st.
0: The only way I think he does sign long-term is if this team completely exceeds expectations this year. You know, like they, they go out, maybe don't win the division, but compete for the division during the regular season. Win around. Yeah, That would be like completely exceeding expectations. It's not what I expect. No. But that's not what anybody expects. No, no. I don't, it, if you I don't, expect that and you're right,
1: but I think it's unrealistic or – if he expects that, that's a bit too idealistic. No,
0: I and I don't think that's what his expectations are. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that might make him go, whoa, like we're better than I thought we were going to be. I'm going to sign here for seven or eight years instead of the three to five that I might have been thinking going into the season. And, again, it's hard to get in his head think and know where he – what his bar is or what his threshold is for sure. gaining confidence in this team. That is a question we asked, by the way, on the 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. This one from Mike and Nanaimo. I believe making the playoffs is PD's bar to stay. If they miss again, he is gone. I do think if they miss the playoffs and they're not even around that hurts. Like If you're Pedersen and you're 25, 26 years old, you're like, man, what am I doing here? So here's
1: a question for you and a question for the listeners. Please text in. Is Elias Pettersson good enough to be the number one center on not a playoff team, but a Stanley Cup contender? Is he good enough to be number one C on a cup contending team? Because I think so. it, Right, and like I do too. I think he is. But there is some debate about that. On a playoff team, of course, definitely is. But there's some debate about, you know, is he good enough to be a number one C on a cup contending team?
0: Yeah, I like personally, I think that was maybe more of a conversation before last season mm-hmm. and then he had last season and again like it, it could be a one-off, but it just felt like hey he showed up this is who we expected him to be the whole time and he finally had it all click at the right time not that he was ever bad before that aside from the beginning of his contract year one time mm-hmm. um but it just felt like okay now he's now he's reached his potential. As a guy that can be, to your point, I think he can be a 1C very easily on a Stanley Cup contender. Now, can he be to the level of someone like McDavid or McKinnon 1C or no. like that level? No, I don't think so. I think you still have to have a, a really good team around him. But even then, like you look at McKinnon, he has Rantanen, he had Landis has McCarr. Mm-hmm. You look at McDavid, like Dreisaitl is is his number two center. like
1: Crosby and Malkin.
0: They all need help too. Sure. And Pedersen, he's not going to win this on his own. Miller might be the guy that can be his, his Robin. But I, I'm I very confident that he can be a number one center for a Stanley Cup contending team. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Ben Bassarin. Keep your text coming in on the 650-650 Dunbar-Lumber text line. we got one more segment left. We'll talk to you on the other side. It is Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Josh Elliott-Wolf, Ben Bassering, here on Sportsnet 650 for another half hour. Leading into the People Show, who are uh, live from the Vancouver Giants golf tournament. Uh, By the way, the Vancouver Giants announcing their new head coach today, Manny Viveros. The new head coach, ninth head coach in franchise history for... Your Vancouver Giants. Uh, I believe he will be on the station tomorrow morning on Halpern and Brough. So look forward to that. Uh, should be a fun year for the Vancouver Giants. And once again, the People Show coming up at 1 o'clock from Tawasson Springs. They'll be in the mobile, portable Kintex Studio. By the way, we are in the Kintex Studio. This one's permanent. It stays here. Uh, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. And you can keep your texts coming in, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Lander on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Lanner Center, or Arbutus of Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So... Before the break, we were asking for some text about um, a couple things. So first thing I brought up was what is the bar that needs to be hit for Elias Pettersson to gain confidence in this team and this management group? And maybe not, again, I I feel like the ship for the long-term extension, I don't want to say it's sailed, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be the most likely outcome. That's what I feel in my heart of hearts. It doesn't feel like it's going to be the most likely outcome. So what is he? what has to happen this year for him to gain confidence in where this team is headed in the next four or five seasons? A lot of text coming in on that. Uh, 650, 650. This one, does dangling the captaincy for Pedersen edge him towards a long-term contract? Maybe they go no captain to start the season and hand the C to Petterson once he signs. I don't think so. You know, like in the end it's being captain of a bad team is that enticing? I know? do think this this affects the captaincy situation though. So were you ever were you a guy that was like, "Hey, Petterson's going to be the captain?"
1: No, I, I just think that it was never clear whether it would be Petterson or Hughes or X. Miller. Right. Um and it seems by what Talk it has said that he's leaning towards uh, hughes mm-hmm. but i'm sure that petterson would like to be captain and I, I think that if you give it to hughes this year it could potentially hurt your chances so by petterson saying this i don't think anybody's going to be named
0: captain this year i don't think so either i will say i don't know if petterson wants to be captain really in terms like not that he doesn't want the the honor of being named captain not mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to re- represent the team or whatever I just think he might be a guy that's like, hey, I prefer being a bit quiet. I don't want to be the rah-rah leader. Maybe, right. maybe he just wants to be part of the leadership group, but mm-hmm. not the guy. Whereas I think we saw in the last season, and I, I've been on this train for a while, so maybe I'm biased. But I think we saw it a lot last season. Quinn Hughes looks ready for it, to be the captain of this team.
1: Ready or about to be ready?
0: I would say ready. Okay. Like, if they gave it to him this season, I would have... Zero qualms.
1: It definitely seems like he's the front runner. Yes. From everything from talking being on this station to what he said in other media uh, outlets, it seems that Hughes is the natural pick, the natural person to
0: wear the C next. And he's been the guy that's really stepped up according to people in the room and according to reports. Like, he seems like when we talk about guys that want to be captain, he seems like he wants to be captain. And... That's kind of a, a prerequisite of when you're picking a Well I hope so. Yeah. A guy to be captain. Yes. Um
1: here's my application. Yeah. I don't really want to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But here's the app. Um so yeah, that that's kinda what that's kind of where I'd be with that with Petterson is like I'm sure he'd be honored. And and to answer this uh this question for Jeremy from Sook, it's I don't think dangling the the captaincy in front of him changes anything about how this contract negotiation negotiation is gonna go like i think he's gonna sign long term he doesn't it doesn't matter if he's captain if he's gonna sign short term or medium term him being captain also doesn't play a part in that um but i again i like i i just don't think it's something he would be super into uh 650 650 the dunbar lumber tax line uh this one from Tyler, I think the team either needs to acquire a practice facility or start building one. This impacts Pedersen for eight-year deals. We have heard that, like, when Jim Rutherford came in, he was like, it's it's really important to have a, a practice facility, a practice rink, and we have heard how much of a priority it should be for the Canucks. I don't know, like, because it—, it Obviously, we haven't heard anything about them actually putting a practice facility in or or doing anything in regards to having a practice rink or facility. I don't know if it does. I don't know if it changes much when you're trying to extend a player. You know what I mean? Like, the player's already here. They're used to what's going on. I think it might play a part when you're trying to bring in guys. Recruit. Yeah. And you're like, hey, we got the -the state-of-the-art practice facility. Right. Right near the rink.
1: Remember when the Canucks did the whole locker room change like ten years ago or something, and it was like, look at the kitchen and the lounge area yeah. and the.
0: They had a whole video of it. Sliding
1: doors and yeah,
0: all that. I got hyped.
1: That, that is used for free agents. Yes. Not for players that are already there.
0: And that was something because Mike Gillis was an agent. He was like, I know how important this is to guys. Like guys love it. Yeah, this is like. I would love it. We'll release a video. This will play right into it. It'll be fine. We should release a video of the Sportsnet 650 office. <laughs> yeah. With cool cuts and yeah. stuff. They'd be like, I don't want to work there. We're recruited. That looks awful. Uh, no, it's great here. It's great here. Um, but again, like in terms of a practice facility, I think it's something that's very needed for this team, but I don't think it's something that will impact Elias Patterson contract negotiations, but I agree with you, Tyler. I think it impacts when you're trying to bring in players, and maybe you acquire a guy at a deadline one year, and he's like, ah, I didn't really like how things were happening off ice. I'm going to leave." Mm-hmm. And Tyler it,
1: was some good text today. Yeah,
0: it's just something like you shouldn't be putting yourself at a disadvantage, and having a practice facility would just. It wouldn't give you an advantage over other teams. It would just bring you level to
2: every, some other teams. Everybody
0: else. Yeah, because I don't think every other team has a practice rink. No. But a, the majority do. And maybe everyone does. But I think it's just the, the majority. And so I I hope it's something they can figure out one day. It's also hard with like real estate in Vancouver.
1: I was going to say that. Yeah. Like, this is a city where land is quite valuable. And I understand yeah. what the Aquilini's do for a living and to make their money. But that doesn't make the land to acquire and build something any less expensive. So I'm not sure that's the number one priority right now for this team. Mm-hmm. Would it be great? Sure. But there's bigger fish to fry <laughs> yeah. to start off with.
0: That's like, uh, realistically, when Jim Rutherford came in, he was probably like, oh, we should really get a practice facility. And then stuff started to hit the fan, and he was like, oh!
1: We need need a new head coach. There are
0: bigger issues. Yeah, and so let's work
1: on our sixty percent penalty kill first.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's something that uh, they circle back to down the line. That's some that's some good uh, office jargon. Circle back. Circle back. Circle back. It's circle back season. Let's touch base on that. Yeah, in summer twenty twenty four. Let's put a pin in it. Yep, and we'll circle back.
1: Did you watch that TikTok?
0: Maybe. I don't know.
1: There was a TikTok about like top five office sayings or something.
0: Oh. Maybe I did.
1: Yeah. And put a pin in it, touch base, and circle back. We're all in the top five.
0: (laughs) Those are top five office jargons. Come on. Uh, 650, 650, Dunbar, Lumber, Text Line. Um, has anybody really considered that maybe the reason he's not signing right now is because the Canucks offer is too low? I don't think it's a matter of him wanting to see how the team will do as much as it is that he wants the offer to increase. And the only way to do that is to put some pressure on the team by playing out his final year. After Austin Matthews signed for 13.25, I think Pedersen hopes to break the bank and it's not so much worried about how the team is going to play. My thing with that, Is I, well, if I were the Canucks and maybe I'm just putting myself in that mindset where I'm like, pay him whatever, pay him 12 million, pay him 12.5. If you're
1: playing the role of the front office. Yes. Okay. I'm
0: like, I know he's going to be worth it. Maybe not the first year, but I know the cap's going to rise. I know eventually it's going to work out. Okay. And we kind of talked about that with Harmon, with Jack Hughes, where obviously he's getting 8 million. So it's less money. But we see how quickly these contracts turn into fair deals or sometimes bargains. And I, I don't know if Pedersen at 12.5, if we're going on the extreme high end. I'm not
1: sure that's a bargain.
0: That's not a bargain. And the first year, look, it might be an overpay, Mm -hmm. but two, three, four years down the line, if it's a long-term deal, I think he's, I think that's, I think he's going to be worth more than that as the cap rises, but. That's why when, when we talk about, like, is this a money thing, I just don't see why, if you're Canucks management, why you wouldn't just bridge the gap if that's what's in the way of a long-term deal. Unless... I'm not
1: sure. I haven't read or heard anything that that's the issue right now. I don't mm-hmm. think the money's the issue. I think the issue is that Pedersen wants to see what this organization is capable of doing and does before committing to them. And why wouldn't you? Like, well, that's totally fair. Yeah. It's like doing a tryout.
0: Yeah. For anything.
1: Yeah. I'm not just going to sign a bunch of players. You know, you want to see what, what they're good at and how did they go, like who's the best. Mm-hmm. It's it's a natural thing in this world. I think what PD is doing is totally fair. I don't think it's about the money, and I have no sources to say that it's definitely not, but from everything that we've seen and heard, it seems very clear that Pedersen wants to make sure that before diving into the deep end here, he likes the temperature of the water. Mm. What an analogy! Yeah, that was great. Just like, I'm just saying though, like he wants to make sure that he's knows what he's getting into before fully committing to something.
0: Yeah, and again, like when you're making that amount of money and the team's gonna have like you're gonna be the highest paid player on the team regardless, you you're not splitting hairs if your Canucks management about five hundred thousand or a million. No.
1: This is your franchise so. Yeah.
0: Unless he's coming out here being like, I want 14 million or 13 and a half. Then maybe you're like, hey, buddy, you've had one season of uh, playing at a superstar level. You're probably not worth that. Take a chill Paul. But I, uh, to me, I do, I do really think it's about how this team performs, especially this season. And especially, especially in the first 10 games of the year. Just be average. Please. Be better than average, hopefully. <laughs> Just don't lose seven games don't in a row. Don't lose seven games in a row. Oh, man. The amount of times... I would cry. The station is
1: going to say the yeah, beginning of the season is so important is unbelievable how many times that's going to be said. But it's it, it can't be said enough because that will set the tone for the rest of the year. And if by Remembrance Day or mid-November ish you're kind of out of it already how how are you supposed to find the motivation as a player as anybody as a fan to keep supporting this
0: honestly i think if you start that poorly again and it carries into november december you know you're not going to make the playoffs and the season's going to be like it has been the last couple of years mm-hmm. trade everyone petterson hughes demko wow. I, don't, I don't care blow it up blow it up they actually blow it up yeah and maybe that's premature but like man something's not working and obviously it's not going to work so change it up now before things keep going the same way they happen Because maybe that's dramatic though.
1: The reason I asked that question in the last segment about if Pedersen could be a number one center on a Stanley Cup team is because with this cohort of players and I get that we you know the city of Vancouver thinks they have a number one center and a number one defenseman and a number one goalie and that's probably true it
0: is true.
1: It is, it is true, but it hasn't worked. If it doesn't work again to the same extent, maybe you're right. And maybe it is time to just hit the reset button.
0: Yeah, because you got to like... At some keep... point,
1: don't be signing these guys yeah. to long-term deals or hoping for long-term deals when the result is failure after failure.
0: Stop digging the hole deeper. Right. But again, like that's only if things happen the way they have been. The past couple years in the way they start this season and i i hope that because everything rick Tockett has been saying everything the players have been saying is like they know how much of a priority the start to the season is this year and it seems like and we'll have to see how it goes in training camp but it seems like they're in better shape to start this season uh 650 650 the Dunbar Lumber text line, this one from Krez, always hear about players earning, in quotes, their no trade slash move clause. Do you think Peterson will have a full trade clause if things go south? I feel like, regardless, when you're when you're a player at that caliber, you're just like, hey, I also I also want to no know move clause. And you get it. Because it, it you kind of control where you're going anyway. Uh but, I mean, like, if he didn't have a no trade clause, then sure, if things went really south and they had to move Pedersen, he wouldn't have a say in it. But, realistically, I feel like he'll have a pretty easy road to just being like, give me a no trade clause. And they'll say yes. Uh, also adds, and Pedersen is a Nick Backstrom type 1C on a Stanley Cup contender. So, kind of what you were talking about. For me personally, I think Pedersen is, I don't want to say much better than Nick Backstrom. I'm
1: definitely going to say better.
0: Definitely better. Like, he is a much more well-rounded... Not only, like, Backstrom was great offensively. Mm-hmm. Much more of an assist guy, didn't really score much. I think Pedersen could be equally good at playmaking, but he also has a shot where he can score 50 goals mm-hmm. if he wants to. And defensively, Pedersen could probably win a Selkie one day. I don't think that was ever in the cards for uh, Nick Backstrom. No. And so that's uh, that's kind of where I'm... like. That's the difference I see between those two players. Um,
1: and there is that difference. Good text from Jamie and Richmond here. Those cornerstone pieces, as in Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, aren't the issue. It's the lack of insulation to the lineup and lack of depth in the system. And fair enough. Yeah. Maybe it is.
0: It definitely, like,
1: It definitely is. So is that the problem in Toronto? The core four is not the problem. It's the lack of insulation and depth around them. That they've, Toronto? Yeah, yeah. that they've been putting in and out for years to try to find a winning formula. But they believe in that core four out in Toronto. Does this city believe in those three players here to get them over the hump? And if the answer is yes, then maybe you don't trade them and you just got to keep trying pieces in and out to see what works. It's just,
0: Yeah. Maybe you do. It's just I think if you have another season like last year, eventually you just got to be like, I don't think those guys are the issue, but you just got to be like, something's not working here. Got to figure something out and hit the reset button to an extent. Um, 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. I wanted to get to this before uh, before the break. So to my surprise and dismay this morning, again, it's August 24th. Mamba day. Mamba day. New statue going to be revealed on February eighth, twenty twenty four. It's at staple or outside Staples Center, right? Yes. Crypto.com dot com, It's whatever. Staples Center. It's oh, is back it? to
1: being Staples. Is it actually? It is.
0: Oh man! How great is How that? How did I miss that?
1: Yeah, I came on like June.
0: Wow, Staples Center is back. That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad they weren't like, okay, now's the chance to go to a different nope. Man, it's Staples. I don't even like. I and no- in the
1: video this morning, it's like it's the house that Kobe built, and I was like, "Oh, I love it. Yes, this is great. It's Staples Center. Yeah. It's
0: back. I have no affinity for Staples as a brand, but no. man, Staples Center as a place, iconic. I love it. Um, so yeah, that'll be going outside Staples Center in February. Um, I hope it's a good statue. I hope it's like well done. Not a Cristiano Ronaldo. No, it'll be a good one. It's got to be a good one. Um. But this was in, this This was what I was upset about this morning. Not the statue. That's great. This text. Thoughts on the pumpkin spice latte.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: The pumpkin spice latte is back. It's August 24th. It's August 24th. Who's crushing pumpkin spice lattes in August? That's like seeing back to school ads on July 15th. That gets me all riled up. And the thing I think we see those because in the States they go back like a couple weeks earlier or whatever, right? Sure. But I, like I remember it being a kid and being like, Why are these playing already?
1: I was like, I just got off school like two weeks ago.
0: These are this is too much. What's you going see on? The, speaking of staples, you'll see like a staples ad and you're like, No, it's not time yet, go away. That's Sta- how- Staples
1: getting some free advertisement. You're welcome, Staples. You
0: know what? You sponsor an arena and have a good name. I'll say it a lot. Good for you. Staple Center. Um, but the pumpkin spice latte.
1: That's offside.
0: That's crazy.
1: What is the appropriate time for fall
0: drinks? Attire. Attire. I would say it's weather dependent. Yeah. Here in Vancouver, it's probably weather dependent because sometimes September's are warmer than other years. Like last year. Yeah. Oh, last year didn't it go into like October? It was great. October, we were still like golf season was buzzing. Yeah. Um. Generally, though, I would say like September 20th Mm -hmm. is one of my kids' fall time. I break out the don't break out the Blundstones yet unless it's raining a lot, but they're like on my shoe rack at the top, got it, ready to go.
1: My birthday's in mid September, and I kind of think okay after my birthday
0: this is fall that's a good cutoff my birthday is may mid-may so for it's me it's summer yeah i'm like it's summer now look at us Look, like, yeah we define the season yes um but i don't like when companies are like hey let's push this early i i get it what about the starbucks christmas cups like the red ones
1: you know, those? Uh, yeah, yeah. They like, come is, out. That, is that December first? No, I think they come out November. They see that's crazy.
0: I don't know. For me, like I know some people are very against. Like, hey, Christmas starts, Christmas season starts December first. Mm-hmm. Some people are like even later. For me, after Remembrance Day, I'm all in.
1: I'm acceptable. I'm accepting after Remembrance Day, but I think it should be December first. That's fair.
0: The cups, the lights, the. I, won't, Whatever. I, I don't think I put my lights up until – I do things in phases, though. Like, I'll, I'll put my outside lights up on the patio probably, like, late November. Okay. And then I won't put the tree up until, like, week one or two of December, which I know is early for some people. And then that's when I kind of start to go all out in terms of decorating. And, like, that's also when I'll go and get gifts and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because you don't want to hold that too long because then the malls get crazy.
0: Yeah. And I also, I will say, like, I just enjoy the vibes of having your house be, like, set up for Christmas. So I like to maximize it as much as possible. But I'm not going out on August 24th and buying a pumpkin spice latte.
1: Mm. Fair enough. Good texting. My rule of thumb – or, sorry, pumpkin spice latte should not be sold until the last week of September – Christmas things until not after Remembrance Day. Great. We're on the same page. I agree with that. Now, this text my rule of thumb is no pumpkin spice lattes until the first day of fall, but I make an exception for a pumpkin cream nitro cold brew. I don't even know what that is. It sounds kind of good, though. Like, what is, a nitro. I believe it's cream like um,
0: they I want to say carbonated, but I, I don't think it is carbonated no, coffee. That's weird. But it comes out of like a, a tap. I know that. That's also, what, my
1: bad. It's not a Christmas cup it's a
0: holiday cup that is true my mistake sometimes they really miss the mark though it's the red one yeah well sometimes it's not red sometimes it's like green oh well, no maybe I, it think is. All- I, think I think it's always red there's always an element of red remember the one year where it was just red yeah and people got all riled up about it uh but yeah I I would say like you can start crushing pumpkin spice lattes last week maybe a couple weeks before September ends. That's my cutoff, though.
1: 10 out of 10 text, Marcus and Gibsons. No Christmas lights or trees until the Canucks season is a wash, so usually around (laughs) mid-November.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Good text, Marcus and Gibsons. We'll end with that. This has been Sportsnet Today. I have been Josh Elliott Wolf. Thanks to Ben Bassron. Thanks to everybody on the text line, 650-650, texting in uh, and listening as well. Coming up next is The People Show, live from Tobawson Springs uh, for the Vancouver Giants golf tournament. So stay tuned for that. Tomorrow I believe Sportsnet today is off but the people show will still be on. Once again, thanks for listening. I've been Josh Elliott. Well, if he's been Ben Bass. Ben Bass on Sportsnet 650.